Welcome to Coinology, the podcast. You ain't getting no money if you constantly worried about what everybody else got to say. If you constantly got your eyes on what everybody else doing, you ain't getting no money. When it comes down to closing a deal, I get you done. Welcome to Coinology, the podcast. Hey, welcome to a new episode of Coinology. And I'm sitting here, sitting across from none other than Special K. Give it up for Special K, y'all. All right, y'all. Yeah, hey. Special K. Now, you got to give my whole actual name, Carl Douglas. Okay, Special K, Carl Special Douglas. K, yeah, well, Carl Douglas, a.k.a. Special K. Okay. Yeah. Carl Douglas, aka Special, Special K. K. That's a long yeah. one to remember. Yeah, because Special K is a character I play on the radio. This character I play as a radio personality, as a comedian, as radio personality on one of the number one syndicated radio person, nationally syndicated radio personality. Okay, yeah. on the Ricky Smiley Morning Show. The, yeah, Ricky Smiley Morning Show. Okay, That's okay. Yeah. So uh, Special K, mm-hmm. Carl Douglas, same person. Same, same person. Uh, different people. Okay. <laughs> Different. So, what's the difference? It's like Batman and Bruce Wayne. Okay. Okay. Know, uh, so, who I have? Who's in front of me right now? Special K is the crime fighter, and uh, Carl Douglas is the father, the husband, the the um, the social activist, all that kind of stuff. Okay. So, I'm yeah. trying to think of who who's here right now. Um, I ain't figured that out yet. It may you may as of, we start talking, <laughs> I'll, I'll kind of figure out which one, which one you get. Yeah. All right. All right. I'm really, really, really excited to have you here, Kay. I've been knowing you for about a decade. Right. Long time ago. Yeah. Long, yeah. long time. ago. Ago. I've right. seen your career from all elements, and right. I'm I'm really honored that you're here today. Right? Oh, well, thank I, you. Yeah, yeah. You talk a little bit of time it's out. Rare that people are honored to see. I you. am. I'm honored because you know what? I've actually seen the grind. I've seen the grind. Yeah. I've seen. I've yeah. seen it. And you are now on a national tour. Um. Yeah. I've been. Well, I've been on national tour. Uh, we started last. Um. Last. Uh, oh God. What's this? Yeah. Uh, Royal Comedy Tour. I did that most of uh, 2023, um, and just did a just did the first date for 2020. Just did the first date to finish out 23, going into 24. Uh, not sure yet whether we're gonna do the whole 24 tour. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's still kind of in you know negotiation, but uh, yeah, that's with um, some more. And, uh, some, some more. more. Yeah, some Damn. more. She's the host. Yeah, it's a very good friend of mine. It's my sister. Finally um, Famous is the name of it? Finally Famous is the name of my comedy special that I'm shooting on uh, October 14th. Okay, yeah, okay. that's the name of my comedy special. And it's Finally Famous with a question mark because, you know, famous is, is relative. Mm-hmm. It's a relative term. And it's a term for me that is not as important as it is for a lot of people. Well, I wanted to ask you how important is being famous? Because I know... The conversations that you and I had over yeah. a decade, decade it, it ago. How important was it? Was, it? it was way more important then than it is now because one thing I've done is, you know, when you cross that that uh, that that line of demarcation called turning fifty, mm-hmm. um, you know, you you start to view things differently, or at least I do. Mm-hmm. And um, fame is something I chased. Probably, I don't know. I probably chased fame for. 15, 20 years? Yeah, I thought, you were on I, a high I thought, I thought that was what I wanted. Uh-huh. But the closer you become to people that actually are there, and I think, again, 
fame is relative depending on who's describing it um it's not that important anymore mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. uh you get to a different place in your life you got family you got people close to you that that are no longer here you got people around you that you see that have achieved that 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 thing called fame and you realize that maybe it's not all what it's cracked up to be so why does it take men damn near to <laughs> death, okay, before they realize that it's not all... I mean, because in this business, you've been around a lot of people in this business. Mm -hmm. And I think that when you're motivated by only... I think fame, chasing fame can be a very dangerous pursuit. Mm -hmm. um, I found that what I really want is validation and happiness. Mm -hmm. And even happiness is a very... It's a very difficult to describe term because what is happiness that's also very relative mm -hmm. depending on you know what makes you happy uh the older i get as i watch my kids grow up i realize that what makes me happy is seeing them happy mm -hmm. if my kids are happy if my kids are content if my kids are 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 in a good space in their lives that gives me happiness because if i achieve a certain level of financial success because i used to say i used to have these numbers you know we all have these numbers that Man, if I can just make this amount, mm -hmm. I'm going to be happy. If I can have this kind of car, I'm going to be happy. If I can have this in my savings, I'm going to be happy. If I can rock this necklace and this bracelet. If I can rock this necklace and this bracelet, I'm going to be happy. <laughs> but what you realize is it's all, can I say words? Yeah, go ahead. What you realize is it's all bullshit uh -huh. if the real, you know, uh, part of your life ain't, like the, 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 the things that I want to fix in my life have nothing to do with fame, have nothing to do with tours, have nothing to do with money in the bank. The things I want to fix have to do with making my kids whole, you know, mm -hmm. because the five most important people in the world to me are my kids. Mm -hmm. And they're all adults now. Mm -hmm. My youngest is about to turn 20. I saw you made a post on social media the other day. I think you had your daughter up there and you're looking for a son-in-law, <laughs> right? Let me ask you this. Would you want your son-in-law to be like you? Um... No. Okay. That's I don't. I don't. I, I don't yeah. want my son-in-law to be like. I said. That. I wonder if K want his son-in-law. No. And me and my daughter had that conversation. Okay. And she was very transparent and very honest with me, and uh, a couple of things that she said because you know she's twenty-eight now. Mm -hmm. This is my oldest daughter. Mm -hmm. She's twenty-eight now. She's beautiful, by the she way. She is absolutely gorgeous, mm -hmm. as are all my daughters. Mm -hmm. But, um. As your wife, yeah, they as, take they yeah, take they, after they, your they wife. They get it from their mom. Your you mom, your, I, the mom is absolutely good. I picked a good one yes. to, to to plant my seed in. Yes, uh, yes. because I and you're I, not a bad, you're not shabby. Well, I know I'm I know I'm shallow too, <laughs> and I, I know that I'm very superficial, and and, and appearance is very yeah, important. Yeah, because you me. had to get the ten. You and if I had ugly kids, if I had ugly kids, I would I would have an issue with that. <laughs> like I don't care, like I don't care my kids, straight, gay, trans, just don't be ugly. Just don't be ugly. I can't because I can't look at you if you are under. Just don't be ugly in my household and be comfortable. <laughs> I'm not gonna be comfortable with that. I'm I'm gonna be always looking at you with a side eye. Like, why did you mess up the pr the process? Why did you mess up the program? The gene pool, right? But yeah, I, I'm just. But Ebony, I'm happy when my kids are happy. I'm happy. Like I said, uh, validation is something that that I found myself chasing. Because when I when I stopped and looked at, okay, here I am. I'm 20 years into this comedy thing. Um, 17 years into this radio thing, am I where I thought I would be? I don't know because I never planned it out. Mm 
-hmm. It all just happened. Like everything I did over the last 15, 20 years just kind of happened. Just happened. I didn't have a plan. I didn't have a I didn't have a vision board. I didn't I was just like, I'm not gonna lie, 23 years ago, I was in federal prison. Mm -hmm. I was uh doing my bid. Waiting to get out in in I think it was uh, June of two thousand one. But I let, was before waiting we to get, get out. into that, let's go all the I way back. I had no back. plan. Where Where are you from, Kay? Uh, born in Philadelphia, raised in Decatur, Georgia. Okay. Uh, dual family household, single mom, single um, dad. My mom and dad was together until I was ten, ten or eleven. I don't even remember, mm -hmm. but they split when I was ten or eleven. My dad left. And then it was just me, my mom, and my two older sisters. Mm -hmm. And then, then my stepdad, he came into the picture when I was about, I was about thirteen, maybe. He so came that into was the your picture. male influence. Um, yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. that was my male influence. Um, Good relationship. Great relationship. Okay. Uh, uh, he looks at me as a son. I look at him as a dad. And um, you know, he came in, and and the first year that him and my mom was dating, he bought me a dirt bike, and that pretty much settled it for me i'm like <laughs> it solidified i'm like hey brother good you know right. and, and 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 it's crazy thing is all these years later i realized that damn this man was dating my mom mm -hmm. she had a 13 year old son he bought me a dirt bike and it made me realize my mama was putting it down <laughs> she was doing some things <laughs> like no because as a man now like i wasn't looking at it in that way then okay mom. but now looking back i'm like damn you know for me to be dating a chick that's got Three kids mm -hmm. and and we just dating and I buy her son a dirt bike. Man, my mom. Well, I guess he understood that, thing. that he had to <laughs> <laughs> put that thing. right. Well, you you know what he had understood that he had to win your heart too, right? To and he won heart. my heart, like yep. like because you know what, thirteen year old boy, you buy me a dirt bike, we good. That's it, and you still remember it today to this day. So, how important was education in your household? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, not that important. Man, nobody in my nobody in my family went to college. I mm -hmm. I didn't I don't come from that kind of background. Like my mother, she you know high school graduate. My dad was a high school graduate. My uh, stepdad, he like nobody. College was not something that I think I was the first one that they had hopes for mm -hmm. to go to college because like I was really like smart, mm -hmm. but I was also really uninterested in school. So. I didn't do well in school because I had really no interest. But my mom used to say she always wanted me to be an attorney. She thought I was going to be a lawyer mm -hmm. because, you know, I was I was I was debating and I was argumentative and I was I always had questions. And she always felt like, OK, this kid going to be a lawyer. Um, and I tell her, be careful what you pray for and pray with precision because you pray for me to be in a courtroom. And I ended up in many courtrooms, <laughs> uh, sitting next to lawyers, but I wasn't. Uh, <laughs> so when, when, when did you start having lawyer. your first bout with law enforcement? Oh, man. Uh, in age? my 20s. So, in my 20s. So high school years, you were. High school years, I, I, was, I, was, not, I was not a bad kid. I was, uh, I was a bored kid. Okay. Because I was way more intelligent. Because you got to understand, uh, back in the, this is the 80s. So they didn't really do a lot of deep digging into why kids are being the way that they are. You just was labeled, uh, okay, he's rambunctious, he's a problem in class, whatever. Mm -hmm. But they didn't dig into it. And then it wasn't until like my 11th grade year that um, they did some testing and determined that, okay, this kid isn't like the upper whatever percentile of intellect. And the reason he's not 
going to class and not doing because he's bored. He's not being, but they didn't have, that was the very beginning of gifted classes. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. If they had discovered this when I was in eighth grade, this probably would have worked out differently. I probably wouldn't be here because I probably would have been an attorney. But you know what though, Kay, I always talk about comedians are probably some of the most brilliant people out there, right? Because the way that you guys process information is so different than, because really- Well, comedians tend to be curious. Curious and you guys end up coming up with sets that make people think differently. Right. We, right? Pro- we process information. We, we look at things. We observe things. And I'm, I'm, I'm saying we in terms of like uh, the ones who really uh, put some intellect into the comedy. I'm, like, not talking about, I'm not talking about the classic clowns. I'm, I'm not talking, talking about, about like Chris Rock. I'm talking about the Chris Rocks, the yeah. Cat Williams of the world. Yeah. The, 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 the Dave Chappelle's, mm-hmm. the, the, you know, uh, people who really are observational and opinionated and who take serious topics and find a way to make them funny. That takes a degree of interest. Usually what makes you laugh as a spectator is you're laughing at yourself that I didn't think about it that way. Right. Right? And then that's the part that's funny. You're really laughing at yourself. Right. But, okay, so let's go back. High school wasn't that important. No. I know that you were probably one of the most, and this is what most people don't know, sought after male review dancers in Atlanta. Okay, let's let's let, okay, let's tell the truth. Let, let, I let, saw okay, some of them old pictures. I said that's No, okay, let's let's make sure we let's make sure we got this right. Okay, go ahead. So I was I went into the military when I got out of high school. Military, yeah, because I was a problem. My my mom was sick of me. I was kind of just doing whatever I wanted to do. I was wilding out. She was mm-hmm. like, look, you, you, obviously you're not going to college. You either need to go to the military or you need to go to Philadelphia and live with your dad. Okay. I didn't want to go to Philadelphia. So I mm-hmm. said, all right, I'll join the military. I wasn't doing nothing else. Like I said, I had no plan. Mm-hmm. So I went into, the, and went into the military, and I, that's when I started dancing. Okay. I was in the Air Force. Now, can you do that, though, legally? Well, Here's the thing. Okay. I'm going to give you the Reader's Digest version. Okay. I'm in the Air Force. I'm in my So you had third, to be smart. Yeah. I was, to get I, into yeah, the Air smart. Force, you, you got to be smart. Yeah, you had to be smart. Okay. So I'm in my third or fourth year. I mm-hmm. don't remember. It's mm-hmm. been a long time. And um, I was deciding whether I was going to re-up or whatever. Went to a club one night. My friends gassed me up to get into a sexy man contest. I forgot the name of it. Mm-hmm. And uh, they say, hey, man, you ought to get in this contest. You can dance. You know, you. I had been working out. I was, you know, I had a little, little cuts and everything. <laughs> so they're like, man, you ought to get in that contest. You, can, mm-hmm. you you better than them dudes. Mm-hmm. So they gassed me up. I went up there, got in the contest. I won 150 bucks. They said, okay, come back next week and defend your title. Mm-hmm. It was like a Wednesday night, ladies night thing. It was real, <laughs> real yeah, real cheesy. Y'all got to understand, this is the 80s. <laughs> so this kind of thing was, you know, this, this, what, was, this what was cracking. Mm-hmm. So I went back the next week. I did the same thing again. The, mm-hmm. the little, you know, lady was going crazy, or whatever, and and I made it happen again. So then I went back like four or five weeks in a row, and I kept winning the money. Mm-hmm. So the guys who I was beating, they had like a, a little dance crew. They was actual strippers. Mm-hmm. They were like, "Yo, like, like, you know, we don't know where you're from. We don't know who you are, but you need to join our group. Mm-hmm. Like, st- you know, you can't keep coming out here beating us, taking the money, <laughs> making us look bad. Just join our group." Mm-hmm. And so I said, you know what? I had never thought about that. They took me to a place where they bought their little costumes at and everything. And I'm like, okay, this is going to be different. And that's how I became a stripper. I started dancing with the Nasty Boys in Miami. The Nasty Boys. So so how long were you a Nasty Boy? (laughs) How long? Ah, So, um, yeah. 
So I it was my first time being in a situation where women were just literally like throwing themselves and it was maybe the greatest feeling I had ever had. Because I, I honestly in high school I had kind of like you know, I, I didn't have the highest self-esteem. Mm-hmm. You know, I was a little dark skinned relatively skinny little dude but i was funny mm-hmm. you know girls like me but i was everybody's little brother mm-hmm. you know i was i was but that must have buddy. been before dark skin became yeah it was before dark this it was the 80s you still had to well, be light skin no, with green eyes no nah, you didn't I you know yet. big daddy came big daddy yeah, changed the yeah, whole but, game uh yeah but you know yeah you but, didn't must but, not have had a flat top but the situation i had a i had a little jerry curl i had a little had a little curl i had a little curl fade i had a little fade little curl fade but um yeah, that's when I kind of came out of my shell and I realized that, okay, if I do this, not only can I make money, but women going to throw the cat at me and I pretty much can pick and choose who I want and, and do what I want to do. And I went a little crazy. And my commanding officer at the base found out that I was a dancer. Some of the women from the base had seen me. Mm-hmm. Word got back to him. He sat me down. He said, look, you're you're an NCO. Uh, sergeant, non-commissioned officer. He said, uh, this is conduct unbecoming of an NCO. So you're either going to be a dancer or you're going to be an Air Force sergeant. I said, cool. <laughs> Holla. I said, peace out, United States Air Force. Wow. I'm about to be a dancer. And um, that's when I started dancing. And that's when I, I started doing that full time. And uh, I when I moved back to Atlanta in like, maybe a year after I got out, um, I, had a, I had a kid on the way. Mm-hmm. And uh, I decided to get with a group that was up here that was dancing primetime. I got I, I met the, the the founder of that group and I auditioned for them. I made the cut for that and I started dancing here. And then that the went on. That went on. Well, that went on for another seven or eight years, probably. So when did the legal problem start? Oh, man, I started getting in trouble with the law probably 91, 92. Mm-hmm. And is this why you were dancing? 93. Yeah, because I, I started hustling. You know what I mean? I started hustling. I started doing, you know, little stuff, um, making little affiliations with people who was, you know, in the, in the drug game, whatever. I, I was never like a drug dealer. Mm-hmm. I was more or less a a kind of person that was around it. So I would do little stuff, but nothing like major. I was like no major player. Mm-hmm. But because um, it, it was never really in me to be that dude, because I wasn't down with shooting people and mm-hmm. and getting shot at and all that. But I did like money, mm-hmm. so I did just enough that I could say that I was kind of in the game. You know what so I mean? So what what happened when they sent you away? What was the final straw? Um, I caught a case. Uh, I mean, I caught a I caught a case before I caught the case that I did time for. Caught a drug case, but because of my affiliations of who I was dealing with, I was able to get out of that. And then I caught a case with the uh, with the feds for um, uh, 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 white collar, uh, bank fraud, forgery, that kind of thing. I had found a smarter way to make money, mm-hmm. to get money, mm-hmm. even though it was illegal. But it was a much smarter way to get a lot more money without getting dirty. How long were you gone? Um, just under two years. So when you heard the judge say eighteen months yeah. in prison, what went through your mind? I mean, it was it was as this it was a lot. pretty boy yeah, it headed was, it, to prison. But I, but I was also I was also an established comedian at that point. I had started doing my comedy thing. I had just won the Deaf Comedy Jam Southeastern Whoa. Comedy Competition. 
Um, so I was kind of on so my way. So you know how it feels when these rappers finally get that big break and then yeah, I, yeah, I, I definitely had a break. Um, Bob Sumner, who's the founder, uh, uh, creative director behind, uh, producer behind the uh, Def Comedy Jam, he was gonna manage me, mm-hmm. and he didn't know that I had this case pending, and I didn't tell him about it until like I was about to go away because he was ready to like you know take me to New York and do some things with me, and it was like yo, and it really. Pissed him off when he oh, I know. He probably, I was in trouble. Yeah, he probably said he all this like, money yeah, I'm he had, he had, he had discovered Fox, Well, he had discovered Jamie Foxx, Chris Tucker. like, And so it was like, it was just a blow. It was mm-hmm. like, damn. I just I had an opportunity and I blew it. And um, so I said, I got to go away and do this time. I had a 10-year-old son at the time, a 5-year-old daughter, and a 9-month-old daughter. How did you explain to them that... Oh, yep, that that was tough. I mean, you know, letting 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 them know that hey, dad's gonna be gone for a while. Um, it it was tough. My son, like I said, uh, my daughter, my daughter probably took it the hardest. She's twenty eight now. Mm-hmm. She was five at the time, and um, she took it. It was tough on her. My baby girl, she was a baby, so she didn't really understand what was mm-hmm. going on. But uh, you know, my daughter, it was it was it was, it was tough for her because. So your wife held it down for you. She held it down. Wow. Yeah, she held wow. it down with them two kids, and uh, you know. And, Did you uh, allow the kids to come visit you? Yeah, they came to see me because mm-hmm. they let me stay in Atlanta, so mm-hmm. I was in Atlanta. So they would come maybe once or tw- well, well, a couple times a month. Mm-hmm. They would come over and, and do the whole visitation thing, and um, you know, it was what it was. Mm-hmm. Uh. So when you were released, you said never again. No, I ain't say never again. You ain't say never again, right? No, I got in trouble after. <laughs> I got in trouble after that. So with- I still I, I didn't get no more time, but I got mm-hmm. in, I got into a little situation after that. Mm-hmm. But um, you know when 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 you hustling, man, like people who hustle, it's hard to get that hustle out of you. Mm-hmm. Especially if you hustling on that on that kind of level, it's hard to get that hustle out of you. And because it's quick money. Yeah, it's quick money. It's kind of easy money. Uh, the the risk reward factor is, you know, the 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 reward kind of outweighs the risk, in a sense. If you process, if you can justify it in your mind, and so it's hard to not go back to that. But because I had a talent, because I was able to tell jokes, because I was able to to be funny, I I I had that to kind of fall back on. And so then how, the radio thing. Yeah, but to say how, how did you end up on the Ricky Smiley though? How, okay. How did that happen? That that happened because my manager at the time was also working with Ricky. Mm-hmm. Um he had also he had been my 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 friend and manager from the stripping days. But he had left the the group behind and started uh managing different people. Okay. So he was working with Ricky at the time and he was like, "Yo, um you know, uh, you need to come do some dates. So me and Ricky had already met before. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was like, yo, I got some dates with Ricky. You need to come out on the road with us and, and let's let's try to, you know, strong, strengthen y'all relationship or whatever. And at the time, Ricky, it was 2006 or something, he had just started his radio show. Um, he had, Steve Harvey had turned his radio show in Dallas over to Ricky. Mm-hmm. And so Ricky had been on for maybe a year and he said, hey, uh, we were on the road. He said, hey, why don't you come to Dallas and just hang out for like a week and help me come up with some ideas because I got this radio show and I just want to be different. I want to be, you know, just really do some wild, funny stuff. Just come down and hang out for like a week and uh, let's see what we can come up with. So I went down to Dallas for a week and uh, that week turned into two weeks, turned into a month. 
and just kept coming up with ideas, you know, Bernie Jenkins church announcements, uh, this just in top five, you know, just all kind of little crazy stuff that I had always thought about would be funny. I did some prank calls. Like we just did whatever. We were trying So to, you were one of the pioneers, the beginning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Came up with a lot of the structure. Yeah. Yeah. So as the show began to grow and began to pick up steam, then the show actually was We got syndicated a year after syndicated and you stayed. Yeah, we got a syndication you. deal. But then Dish Nation picked up the show, right? Yeah, Dish Nation. Dish Nation picked up the show, but you weren't a part of Dish Nation. <laughs> right? Okay. So how did that feel? Yeah, you want to hit the source box. But but, uh, but yeah. how did that feel though? Because you were part of the creation. I mean, of- I ain't gonna lie. I ain't gonna lie. It it was it was uh that was a situation that came about I think in large part, he had changed management mm-hmm. during the course of all of this. So when the Dish Nation thing came along, uh, the the person uh, you know who was managing his situation at the time didn't feel like it was necessary. And this is coming from this person to me. Mm-hmm. Didn't feel like it was necessary to have two people doing. Uh, didn't feel like it was necessary to have two comedians in that space. But they took and everybody else from the show. He was the comedian. Then you had uh, Crack, you had Ebony, you had Rock, you had um, Gary. So everybody was doing something else, but they weren't stand-ups. And so her thing was, I don't need you doing what he does. We already have a comedian. He's the star. He's a comedian. I we don't it. need you I to be a it. part of this. But how did you feel? You I was were pissed. part of the creation was, of this. I was very upset. I but was I how was, did you so tell me this. How did you keep your head up <laughs> and you still went in every morning and did the radio show and then your your co workers then go over and shine on Dish Nation yeah. and it was tough. You were I, left I'm not out. Gonna, I'm not gonna how lie. I was I was I was I was very I was very bent out of shape. Did I was you become very bitter? Out of shape. Did you become bitter? I did. I was very yeah. I do you was, think I it? Was, do you think that bitterness impacted your relationship with Ricky at all? Um, we had a couple of conversations about it. Um, he explained to me what his position was on it. That you know where he was with Fox and and what his you know power was and was not. I had my own feelings about it. We talked about it. We had some uh, exchanges. I would say that was that was a little elevated mm-hmm. and um you know and I had a decision to make. I said, "Okay, I can either stay with this situation and just swallow mm-hmm. the this pill and 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 deal with it and hope that maybe, you know, year 2, year 3, somebody'll say, "Hey, you know what? Maybe we can find a way to make this happen, make this work." And it just never did. And and yeah, I was I felt I felt some kind of way about it because it's like being a part of a football team and they go to the playoffs and to the Super Bowl and and you don't get the ring. You don't get the ring. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 It it was not a good time. So how did you not sabotage this situation? Because a lot of people would not have been able to process that and they would have sabotaged their situation on the radio. Nah. I mean, I I tried to I tried to just look at the bigger picture um, and say, okay, um, I can either. I can either be a bitter Betty and really, you know, just kind of pout and stomp my feet and just kind of be an asshole and, and just do things to, like you said, sabotage the situation. Or I can I can stick to it, stick with it, make the most of it, make the best of it, get what I can out of what I do have 
as being a part of a syndicated radio show and just keep it moving. Mm -hmm. And that's what I decided to do because one thing about this business is when you do take that route, sometimes you end up cutting your own throat. Oh, most definitely. You know what I mean? Because Not sometimes. what you don't want to be is yeah. that person that, you know. It's known to be difficult that, to work that, with, that, angry. That kind of on your way out the door, mm -hmm. you know, you smearing crap on the wall and you're pissing in the copier and you're doing all kind of weird shit. You know, sort like, of you, like you, the way you're sort of like the way Nene left Bravo. Yeah. Like you don't want to. about that though? You don't want to leave raggedy. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm not a big housewives person. Like I don't really watch all that shit. Mm -hmm. But. I think there's something to be said. This is a very small business. That's right. And you never know who you're going to come back across. And you always. I try to leave any relationships in this business. I try to leave them not raggedy. Rosie. Because when you leave it raggedy, like I said, you never know who's going to be sitting in that office when you get another opportunity some years down the road. And it's the same person that you shitted on five years ago or they on your way out the door. They're calling the person you shitted on to get a reference on you. Right. So right. so as 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 hard as it is to to not be that guy, it benefits you to be the bigger person. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. just say, you know what? For whatever reason, that situation didn't come my way. Mm -hmm. For whatever reason, that situation didn't work out. For whatever reason, and, you know, for whatever reason, maybe it just wasn't meant to be. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe that wasn't my blessing. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and if that had happened, maybe that could have been a bad thing. And it could have been a good thing financially and it could have been a good thing exposure wise. But maybe it could have opened me up to some other things that wasn't so good. So, right. Right. again, that comes with age. That comes with maturity. Wisdom. That comes with, you know, you just got to understand that every blessing ain't your blessing. So let's talk a little bit about being almost famous, a black man in Hollywood. And, I ain't in Hollywood. Well, let's say Atlanta, <laughs> Atlanta Wood, yeah, right? I'm in Atlanta Wood. I ain't in and, you know, family, <laughs> wife. Yeah. But the women want to keep coming at Special K, right? Yeah. How hard is it? Is it is it a realistic expectation for women today to marry a man that is considered semi celebrity? Yeah. Or a celebrity and think yeah. that it's just going to be them two forever. Is that realistic? Um, I mean, I think that that's on each individual couple. Mm -hmm. And that's on. Ah, no, let's be real. Do you think it's realistic for people? Like, for instance, people give Diddy a, a hard time because he never married any of his children's mothers. Right. But I think if you know that you can't be 100 yeah then you should not get married, right? Right. right. So yeah, what's yeah. wrong with that? Um, I think for a man to figure that out early on and not to go that route, like Jamie Foxx, same thing. Mm -hmm. um, that's another thing. Jamie, from his mouth to my ears, I'll never get married because I know I can't. I don't want to give away half my stuff, and I know I'm going to end up giving away half my stuff mm -hmm. because I know that I ain't going to be able to let go of this uh, this, this this horse I'm riding. He said, I ain't going to be able to let this go. Mm -hmm. And so why even fool myself and try to fool some woman into believing I can do it? Marriage and fidelity and fidelity is a very difficult horse to ride. And you ride and you put celebrity in that, too. Oh, you throw that in there? I mean, come on, man. Men... <sighs> Look, I'm not one to believe that monogamy is a natural state for most men. Okay, so you think... And so you take a man who has options and opportunity 
and uh, freedom of movement, uh, financial uh, uh, leverage. And don't matter how they look, right? I mean, it do matter how you look. Nah, not what it do. It I do, seen some. It do matter how you look. You think so? I mean, I think that. I mean, because if you take a guy, if Denzel Washington was a bus driver, Denzel Washington would still have a lot of chicks throwing tail at, at him because he's still a good looking. If Idris Elba worked Ooh. at the, you know, Idris. the if Idris Elba worked for Amtrak, he would be a dude that worked for Amtrak that got a lot of hoes. <laughs> because he still be, you know, he a sexy dude. Right. So, but you add you a add celebrity on top of and that. A coin? Shit. It's a wrap. Yeah, it's it's gonna be so, very so difficult. So you're saying that women should just go into it knowing that this is part of it. Don't come in here with the. I think you should. I think you else. should go into it knowing that. Okay, this is something I might potentially deal with. This is something I'm probably going to potentially deal with. I'm probably going to deal with a situation where my guy um, avails himself of some of these options. Mm -hmm. And if that's something that is an absolute deal breaker for me, if that's something that I absolutely cannot stomach, that I absolutely cannot forgive, then maybe I don't need to go down this road. So they need to be ready to be a Vanessa Bryant sitting right next to Kobe? I mean, or you just you just kind of like my daughter. My daughter is uh, my daughter, the one that's really right now of marrying age. Mm -hmm. Beautiful girl. Mm -hmm. Absolutely beautiful. And I'm not biased on that. She's objectively. She is. She's gorgeous. Gorgeous. Mm -hmm. OK. And I talk to her and I tell her, look, if you marry a guy that's a top five percenter. God forbid a top one percenter, mm -hmm. but a top five or a top ten percent guy. In a city like Atlanta, understand, and if he's good looking, because you like good looking dude, understand that this is the risk you run. That he he's going to be targeted because every woman pretty much wants that type of dude. So you sound a lot like Kevin, Kevin Samuels, the late Kevin. Yeah. Yeah. He told no lies. He told no lies, huh? He well, he told some. Okay. Some, well, some things he said was. All right, bit. so what, let's, but let's talk he about the high, told value, no the high value man. So you're saying yeah. that you believe that women have a, a misperception of what a high value man is looking for. Right. Right? Yeah. And so, <laughs> you yeah. such a straight face. Yeah, you, you do. You know, I they loved do. Kevin, and that was primarily because he made me think about things differently. He made me I mean, look the at message myself was, the said, message was was The message was a little harsh at times, but... It it didn't take away from the reality of what he was saying. So when the, his his show because the numbers out, bear it out. You were one of the supporters. You were like, yes, I was definitely a supporter. Okay. I was definitely a fan. Okay, I mean, because I could see a lot of what he was saying had had a lot of truth to it. You got I, I saw some crazy number uh, a couple weeks ago. And I can't remember the exact numbers, but it was like you got for probably two hundred. 200,000 men, black men in a certain category, you probably have 8 million women that are looking for those 200,000 black men. Mm -hmm. And so there's only so many black men, like, like uh, I think one of the factors was like the 666 factor. Women want a man that's six feet tall, makes six figures, and got six inches, mm -hmm. uh, at least, <laughs> <laughs> on all three of those sixes. Now, mm -hmm. I... I 
Okay, honestly, I only fit two of those categories because I'm five nine. Okay, but anyway, all right, <laughs> <laughs> all right now, all right. I mean, and that's that's a, that's as far as I'm gonna go with that. However, uh-huh. <laughs> two out of three ain't bad. Shit. Um, yeah, when you when you in when you in that category, you gotta understand everybody is shooting for what you got. That's right. Mm-hmm. So and 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 women can say, oh well, they can be the same way with women, because a woman, no, 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 that's what not you, how it works. Well, what do you think a woman can do to keep her man nothing at home? Nothing. 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 That Th- that's up to your man. There's so, nothing a woman. There's nothing you can do. You can't mm-hmm. screw him enough. You can't cook enough for him. Mm-hmm. You can't put enough. Uh, 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 what do they call it? Air tags on his phone and his car. You can't. If a man wants to dip and stray and do his thing, he's gonna do his thing. So I have an old adage that I believe that once you allow you, you find it, you catch him. Yeah. You you guys work through it. Right. If he knows you're not going nowhere, it's a wrap. Kind so of sort of. Yeah. It's a wrap. So. Because what can a woman do? So let me ask you this. What is required for you to stop roving? Here's the most important thing. Here's here's where I become a politician. Here's the most important thing in fidelity in a relationship. Mm -hmm. The strength of the friendship. Okay. Between the couple. If if the couple, if, if your friendship within the relate, within the marital relationship, if the friendship isn't strong, that's where you're gonna have problems. Okay. Because it's much easier to be loyal to your friend than it is to your mate. Mm-hmm. Because if you think about it, if you think about the friends that you have, and I'm talking some some of us have lifelong friends mm-hmm. that we've had since we were teenagers or, or young adults or even prior to that, it's way easier to be loyal to those people mm-hmm. because these are people who you not only love but you like. You know, and you want them to remain a part of your life. Like there's a couple of friends that I can think of that I never, ever, ever want to not be a part of my life. Mm-hmm. Now, you got to feel that same way about your mate. And this this comes with age and kind of wisdom. Like if I tell my I tell my kids because they're all in various stages of relationships now. Mm-hmm. And I tell them cultivate that friendship. Cultivate that friend. My, my son, my youngest son, he's dating a girl right now. Mm-hmm. They don't call themselves boyfriend and girlfriend. He said, we're friends. He said, we're good friends. He said, I like her. She likes me. Mm-hmm. We enjoy each other's company. We like to talk. I don't even think they're active in oh, that boy, sense. Oh, you, boy, you, you know what I'm saying? No, you no, want no, no. those parents. No, 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 okay. no. I'm, I'm base, basing this off of because a boy going to tell you. Okay, you know, okay, you know. okay. But but he said, hey, man, no, we we just really are enjoying being friends with each other. Okay. And it's a good feeling. And I, and I, and I, I respect that and I admire that because it lets me know that you're building a bond with this person that if you do decide to take it to the next level, you're going to be, 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 um, you're going to be, um, invested in that person in a way that's deeper than just the physical Mm -hmm. because like i said physically there's nothing a woman can do to keep a man from Mm -hmm. testing out some new um but if he is invested in her on 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 just a friend level you know what I'm saying? That is going to be the glue that's that much keeps stronger. It all together. Yeah. Well, you know, I think too. You can't control what another. But you know person what does. makes it easy too in a society, and I know you hear a lot of this in the radio show, 
is this whole stripper type music, right? It's pretty much, um, I think we live in a time now where it is, you know, it started with Little Kim and Foxy, where right. it was very popular for women to be able to be seen as sexual objects. I mean, now you well, got... Well, the whole sexual... the. Women to have the freedom to be as sexually liberated. Well, men. some of it is liberation, and some of it booty whole brown. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, a, I, I mean, think it's, it's going too far. Yeah, it started. Well, it started. It started. Let, let's say, I think. Yeah, Kim was one, but Kim, but look, Kim was very artistic and creative with her lyrics. But what about this whole? But the sexy whole. Red and the, yeah. Okay. Well, we gotta go back to Kaya. You know, my neck, my back. Yeah, Kaya. Remember when my neck, my back yeah, came out? Yeah, I remember. That was. That was shocking. Like, it oh my was. god, and it's my still neck, my jam, my, back, my and my crack. Like, <laughs> that qualifies as a gospel song in 2023. That you might hear, you might hear that on on the gospel station right, now. Because right. then you know, then we had WAP. Then WAP was the next thing. Mm-hmm. You know, and WAP was like, whoa. But even WAP had some very creative lit. Like I think Cardi and and Meg. I love that song because I think that their wordplay in the song was very creative. It makes you, yeah. It, yeah, yeah. yeah. Is, is it, it a nasty think. song? Yeah, it's a nasty song. Uh-huh. But it was very creative. And you're like, oh my God, did she just say that? The, it was kind of the way she, the way they she weaved it, it in there. I thought it was dope. Right. Now, this new thing of 2023 mm-hmm. with Sukihana and Sexy Red and, and, and Glow Real, like, okay, now it's just trash. Trash. I, it's just, I mean, and it's hard to offend me. I mean, I'm damn near unoffendable. (laughs) I've said some shit. It's hard to offend me, but that shit right there is like, okay, y'all, now y'all ain't even trying. Y'all not even trying. My I booty just, hole brown. Yeah, I, I'm like, I like the cut. Like, and people ah. going, and then this whole ski yee and all this. Yeah, what it's, in it's, the it's, world? It's a lot. I, but I think there's some. I think when you look at mm-hmm. what what produces and what promotes and what uh, platforms. That type of quote entertainment, I think there's some other things in play that go with that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? The powers that, that be. Yeah, the, the powers you know, that be, you know, the people that make the, like, there, there's some other things in play because. Because you're going to tell me out of that's all not, these it's, it's not rappers, even talent. It's not talent. It's not out talent. Out of all these rappers that. out here, you're going to tell yeah. me that this is the person yeah, that yeah. you choose no, to no, be. No. Leading no, 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 the no, pack. No, no, no. When Sexy Red went into anybody's office <laughs> and played that track, right, and, and they said, said, "My booty hole brown, my coochie lips is pink." They should, <laughs> they should have been, ma'am, ma'am. Thank you, thank you, ma'am. No, no, yeah. no. Yeah, you can turn that we'll off. We'll call you. Thank don't you. call us. No, no, we're not gonna call you. <laughs> That's trash. We we're not gonna put that out. Right. You know that should have been said. That should. And when been that said. wasn't said, that lets you know that there's another agenda there's going a on. Major agenda. Because yeah. it's taken it's taken our culture down the road of just it's degrading. It's, it's, like I said, it's not even artistically, it's not even artistically good. Right. And it's embarrassing. Like, it it's really embarrassing. It's really embarrassing it is to see that being put on, on Front Street. And then you got people like, and then I blame people like Drake. You got Drake. Got, Drake got her on tour with him. Not Drake. She was on tour with Drake. Like, what the fuck? Like, bro, you don't need that. Like, Drake, come on. Drake is a one. He don't even need an opening Jay-Z would never. Never. Jay-Z would never. Never. Put no shit like that on stage with him. Never. Not even if it's an hour before he comes out. 
she ain't in the building. Mm-mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and people say, well, you know, it's a young black girl and she doing her thing and she getting her opportunity. No, 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 no. Because no. what's next? It's, like, it's- like, like. How low can we go? Like, what's next? Somebody going to come out on stage and just take a crap and throw it at the audience? Like, what is the next mm-hmm. level of, of, of thing that we're going to call entertainment? I mean, somebody going to come out and she going to play with herself on stage? Like, what are we doing? It's, it's, it's definitely. What are we doing? This ain't music no more. This is bullshit. Well, let's talk about that as far as music. Because, you know, I'm a hip hop head. Right. And I love hip hop. And I'm so excited. I think you and I were just talking before we started filming that I just came back from seeing the Book of Hove, the actual right. um, display in Brooklyn and how impressive I was, how impressed I was and how impressive the venue was. Because when you walk up, his lyrics, Jay-Z's lyrics mm-hmm. are etched on the front of the building, et cetera. It's a big ass building. See, oh, it is huge. <laughs> A black man, yeah. see hip hop, he actually survived because right. most don't make it. Yeah. I, I would have to say Jay Z is probably my favorite. He I would is, say he's my number so one. So he in your eyes, he is Hove. Yeah, he, he, is, he is that. Yeah, Jay Z, I'm not gonna lie. It, it takes I've 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 met a lot of famous people. I met a lot of celebrities over the year and have seen like I'm not gonna lie. I would definitely be starstruck. I've never met If Jay-Z. Jay walked in this room, I think I'll pass out. Yeah, I, I don't know if I'm yeah, I would. Out. Y'all have to wake me up. I don't know if I'm pass out. <laughs> but I would definitely <laughs> I would. be I would definitely be I would be impressed to be in the presence of of and I, I know he put his pants on just like I do. I but would be short of words. I, 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 I have yeah. so much respect for him as an artist, as a just as a, a the strategy. way he's built his yeah. whole thing. Like I would love to, you know, spend a weekend with him. So like, you know when that thing was going up. around on social media and they said two hundred and fifty thousand like, dollars or dinner with Jay Z, what was your answer? Okay, now let's 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 <laughs> <laughs> I gotta think about my current financial situation right now. I'm gonna take that two fifty. I'm gonna take that. Now I'm gonna listen to some I'll listen to some Jay Z audio books, but I'm taking them two hundred and fifty racks. So you're gonna take that? I ain't gonna lie, I'm gonna take that two fifty. Okay, you're gonna take let me ask you another question that I think I saw a post. We were just recently we came out of this Montgomery brawl right. about I don't know, three, four weeks ago. Yeah. And um, there was a lot of discussion out there about, you know, we're not our ancestors. We yeah, are- I, I, I hate that phrase. I, I really I really think people and I don't think people say it with malicious intent. Mm-hmm. But I think people when black people, when we say that, we really are being disrespectful of what our ancestors faced and what they what they Because that goes along the lines of the whole Kanye slavery was a choice thing. Who were your um, on that? Slavery was not a choice. I actually went on CNN and talked about that. Mm-hmm. They had me um, talk about the whole slavery was a choice thing. And I felt like that was disrespectful, too, because it's real easy to sit where we sit now mm-hmm. in Welcome to Coinology, the podcast.